Welcome back to the Michigan Business Beat, brought to you on the Michigan Business Network. Chris Holman here from a remote studio, actually the garden level of the Holman house, and I'm being assisted by my black lab, Walter, here, and our rescue boxer, Baxter, who is also instrumental in the success of these broadcasts. But as everyone else, we are making the arrangements to do things remote, so we're not moving about. And so what happens in these periods when you have these kinds of challenges, and what should leadership be bringing forth? Well, I read a fascinating article by Dr. Michaela Kersey, professor of management at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. And it was about management, basically, leadership in these times. It was entitled, What Good Leadership Looks Like During This Pandemic. And we have Dr. Michaela Kersey on the phone right now. And doctor, thanks for taking a little time to join us. How are you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Well, and I would imagine you're somewhat sequestered as well, so probably all of Harvard is working from their homes. Let's talk a little bit about your article. I, I personally found it very fascinating, and I guess I want to start with what do the NBA in New Zealand have in common? Well, that's a great question because it sounds sort of incongruous when you think about it at first, but they both have had really impressive and strong reactions to the COVID-19 pandemic and really got out ahead and have made like a huge difference in the trajectory of the virus in New Zealand and for the NBA, both here in the United States, but really around the world. You know, it's kind of interesting because I never thought of, of Adam Silver as a great leader and didn't know much at all about Jacinda Ardern, of course, Prime Minister of uh, New Zealand, but they had some similar traits in how they reacted to this. And one of the things you talked to was leading through data. What did you mean by that? Well, it is really hard in an epidemic like this or really any kind of crisis situation like this where the problem is unclear at first, where you sort of don't know what the facts on the ground really are and you don't know what the scale of the problem is going to be. We call that in my field, we call those ambiguous threats, threats where the warning signs are fuzzy, the potential harm might be large, but you don't know if it's going to be. And that's a really particular type of threat that organizations and people face. There's a bunch of research about human beings being really good at dealing with threats that are clear. So if you know what the problem is and you know the stakes are really high, human beings rally. We get together, we know what to do, and we'll, we'll take action. But in these other situations where it's fuzzy, where we don't know, it's ambiguous, there are all of these cognitive biases in the minds of leaders particularly that make us take the wrong action when we think we're doing the right thing. So you say, I don't know what the problem really is. I need more data. And so you delay and delay and delay to make a decision rather than taking action. And you miss the window of opportunity to make a real big dent in the problem as it takes shape. And so data is really important here because you have to be able to use it to make decisions, but it's different from a normal course of business. In the normal course of business, you know, you figure out what you need to know, you wait till you get the information you need, and then you make an informed choice. Here, if you do that, you're going to wait too long. Like in the case of COVID-19, you You'll miss the opportunity you had to actually stop the virus from spreading before it wreaks havoc. So what Jacinda Adern and what Adam Silver did that was so different from a lot of other leaders right now is they were able to get enough data 
to make a good decision in the moment without having to wait to know everything. So Adam Silver was one of the first people really in the world to make a big, high-profile decision to stop action. So they, I think it was March 11th, I'll have to fact check on the exact date, but when he came out and decided to suspend the rest of the NBA season. And that, if you remember, I mean, it was on the front page of the newspaper at the time. It was a huge deal. People were surprised because he didn't at that time have all the information. But he had called the former Surgeon General of the United States. He had talked to his colleagues in the NBA in China, and he collected the data he could get. And it was enough for him to know that this problem could be huge and that it made sense to act conservatively, even though we're talking about the NBA. You know, it's not it's not a public health organization. It's not there, there are people that are very competitive and they're good at business. They make a lot of money every year, but they were willing to really put a stake in the ground using the data they had at the moment. And that's really a, a huge difference in what crystallizes leadership in a crisis like this. You know, it's interesting because one of the lines I picked out of your paper that I thought was so important, and that was to overcome your instincts. And that gets back to the speak to data. But the part about acting with urgency is kind of one of four things that you recommend in your process of dealing with these. The second would be communicate with transparency. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. And I, I'm glad you, you brought up these actions that we, we talk about in the paper because it's funny, you know, I, I teach students, master's students that are going out in the world to lead organizations and I teach them about management. And it's notable that in a crisis like this, a lot of the things that we teach them every day in the classroom are not the right things for a crisis. They're the right things for the normal course of business. So what we're trying to do really in this paper is to to make it clear how you need to think differently when you're in a crisis situation with an ambiguous threat like this. So acting with urgency is one. Communicating with transparency is another. And this one is hard because it really is intuitive for most people when you're the head of an organization, the eyes are on you, there's a lot of pressure and you get bad news. It's intuitive to try to sugarcoat it, to try to downplay the threat, maybe withhold some of the bad news so that you can keep your people together and give them hope. And, and that's a natural and good tendency in leaders. But when you have a crisis like this, by downplaying the threat and withholding bad news, you can really you can really lead yourself into a catastrophe. Because what you need people to do is to understand the gravity of the situation. And that takes communicating with transparency. So for Adam Silver, I mean, I love this, but by the middle of March, while the rest of the world was still trying to wrap their heads around the fact that this was going to become a major issue, Adam Silver had on record, this was reported by ESPN, had sent 16 what he was calling hiatus memos out to the league. In each of it, they were numbered like hiatus memo one, hiatus memo two, so so on and so forth, where he stated really plainly to the entire organization, this is what we know, this is what we don't know, and here's the action we're going to take because of it. And it's that kind of clarity of communication that helps people understand the real challenges in decision making and brings you it brings them along with you the one caveat i'll give is that you know it still is the function of leaders to give people some hope so you can't when you're when you're relaying the truth of the situation you can't just totally leave people without any hope but it's not about being false about the facts the hope comes from giving them a chart charting them a path to the future where they can see things may be bad right now they may be really tough, maybe stuck at home, maybe lonely, maybe scared, but I can see 
where we're headed and that there's going to be a way out of the wilderness. And that's really where the hope and the transparent communication should come from. Sort of the uh, we're all in this together message. You know, no one, and especially in urgency management or very much like this COVID-19 circumstance, is perfect. And so there are going to be some mistakes. It's important, according to you, to respond to missteps. Absolutely. It's in the the nature of the problem when you don't know a lot about the crisis. It hasn't happened before. There's not a playbook that you can follow where you know what you're doing is the right thing. So there will be mistakes. And how you handle those mistakes is really just as important as how you, the foot that you get off on in the first place. We've seen in countless examples of leadership, you know, we do research on leaders, we follow them, we track what they do, and we see what their outcomes are. And it is to a T, the leaders that are able to stand up, recognize and publicly acknowledge the mistakes or the misstep that was made. And then quickly pivot to keeping the focus on the future, to look to how do we actually problem solve? And sometimes in in the case of a crisis, that takes saying, yeah, there was a misstep. We're going to have to figure out what went wrong so it doesn't happen again. But we can't do that right now because we need to stay focused on on the current crisis and the problems that are coming across the bow right now. And that's different from trying to pretend like the misstep didn't happen, trying to dismiss it away, trying to get defensive, because the problem with that in a crisis where all these urgent needs are coming is that it's going to make you look backwards. It'll make you backwards focused. And that will just lead to more missteps and more more drop balls as the crisis continues to unfold. You know, I think we've seen this in a lot. This is the maybe fourth important thing that you pointed out. We've seen this a lot in our public officials. And I'm thinking, of course, of our governor here in Michigan, but also the governor in, in New York. Engage in constant updating. Yeah, this one is an important one because it's, it's definitely, I was saying before, that, you know, there's like some of these issues that we, we teach people about what, what good management leadership is in the normal course of life. And in a crisis, it's really different. This one is key because usually we think what's a good leader is somebody who stays the course, who's, who sets the direction and then sticks to it here because you don't know how things are going to unfold, sticking to the course of action can be the exactly wrong path to go down. What leaders need to do and what Jacinda Adern and Adam Silver have done through the course of this is to be able to take in new information and put structures into place where they take in new information to update as they go. I mean, one really nice example is what Jacinda Adern did in New Zealand, where she set out early in um, her public response, a four-stage response system that was actually modeled. It was familiar to people because she took it from the fire. You know, they have major fire issues, wildfire issues in New Zealand, and they have this four-stage step-up protocol of an alert system that everybody knows about for fire risk and how you need to act accordingly. So she took that kind of idea of a four-stage step up and she applied it to COVID-19. And she came out and she said, no, when it looks like this, we're going to respond in this way. And then when it gets worse, then we'll know we're in stage two. And then we respond in this way. And she set it out. And then very quickly, once she shared that with people, she was able to take in new information and had their epidemiologists, their healthcare system all plugging in data so that she could reliably then ramp people up along the way. And they pretty quickly went, they started out at level two of the four level system and within really a very short time period they had updated and brought the whole country to level four the highest level in which people were isolated at home so it's that kind of ability to kind of set out a path for how are we going to make decisions and how are we going to collect the information but then just constantly update as you go well it's awesome stuff and thank you so much dr mckay
Kayla Kerasey, Professor of Management at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Thanks for being with us and thanks for your article. You're listening to the Michigan Business Beat right now on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Chris Holman. We'll be right back with a whole lot more.